Hi, welcome to Callcast. So the first job that I ever had was, uh, <laughs> what if uh, podcast started like that with with just absolutely no intro? Like I'm the first podcast to have very, no, there's no intro. Uh, just so funny. Yeah, I mean, I just want to get into it. The first jobs that I ever had. Well, technically I worked for my dad because I was the unofficial caretaker or, you know, one of them. Of the uh, property, the sitio, as you say in Portuguese, we, we were the property owners of a property in Brazil. I think it was like five acres, something like that, which we turned into a whole soccer baseball field in, in one pool, volleyball field right next to it, volleyball court, playground, game center, chapel, our house, and a second house on that. And I lived there for three years. Unfortunately, I didn't get to live there more. The house that we lived in was like an H. So, anyways, that is so much grass to mow. Who mowed that lawn? Me. My dad had his riding lawnmower, which which knocked out a third of it. And then Kobe and I would do the other. Uh, what What's the mathematics there? Two thirds. Okay. I left there, that property... I move to Oregon. I get my first job. Now, this job is five months before I go to film school. So I have a summer uh, to uh, at 19 to get my license for the first time. Get a, my first job, like official job with like a W-2 and stuff, you know. Live with my brother at the time, who unfortunately had just gone through a divorce who married a Brazilian, brought her back. They were married for five years, and she started working uh, a job and um, just left anything she had just vowed to in their marriage and caused a real uproar in my family. So living with my brother at that time, I think, was so helpful and comforting for the both of us because we were both in transitional phases. He, in a way, was being demoted, not to put a negative connotation to it, but he was going back into his singleness for a while and figuring out, how do I do that? I didn't expect myself to be here. Stop clicking. What is that clicking? I was in a promotion where I am leveling up. I'm advancing into adulthood, going, I mean, job, college, first car, all that stuff. Really interesting. I am now the age that he was at 27 when I was living with him, which is bizarre to think about. But I got my first job. Abby Carpet Care. Uh, Sean Abby, my dad, who is friends with Sean. Sean gave me the job. Oh, Abby Carpet Care. So I worked there for five months, four months probably. Left on good terms. I worked with Jim mostly. No, I, I started out with Jim. Started working with um, Bryce. <laughs> is that his name? Bryce, Bryce uh, Watterson, something like that, out of Montana. He was a youth pastor at a church, and we worked together. He was, uh, you know, mid, uh, mid-20s, mid and I was 19. So some of the stories from Abby Carpenter, there was one time that we, uh, two times, two times that we had to clean up a house that a, a dude had stepped in his own coloscopy bag, and he was blind, unfortunately, and just spread his own fecal matter all over his carpet, all over his room. And we had to do this twice. And he had, uh, I mean, 
a colostomy bag, like, I think that's what it's called, but he had stepped in his own thing and, and spread it everywhere, so that was absolutely revolting, I must say. There was another time that we had to clean a vet's house, um, who, he, he, uh, I mean, he was like Logan mixed with Santa Claus, you know, uh, Logan from Logan. He lived on the third story, so we had to get our hoses and big old machines up to the third story, and we did that by taking a long... What was it? I think we tried the elevators. <laughs> Just like, yeah, all the elevators are, are going to have to be on hold for us in uh, our hoses, but I don't think that worked. He went upstairs with a rope, tossed the rope down. I tied the rope to the hose. These hoses are super long, <laughs> and they get really heavy, about halfway up, he was... I wish that I could have seen the scene up there of him trying to pull these hoses up because he uh, described it as having a, a real <laughs> a real struggle with it. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so that was, that was tough. But that was uh, basically all I'm going to report about that job. Next job was not until <laughs> second year of college. After the first two years in one, so technically my third year, but it's really my second year... Uh, uh, calendar wise something happened and then it you know compass told us that my school told us don't get a job at least for the first year but my schedule opened up i went into the bachelor's uh, i wasn't having school nearly as much we dropped down to 15 the most i had was 18 credits in a semester after after the 24 i was doing you know, three semesters in a row i applied on indeed uh, to a bunch of jobs, but one of them was Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons, they needed a, a cook, chef, baker, you know, whatever, all, all the works, coffee, parathon. I get the job, I work there two months, and then I take a vacation, uh, but I told them too late. I went and visited my family back in Brazil, it was 2000, end of 2014, no, no it was not, it was end of 2015, that I went back to Brazil for two weeks without telling Tim Hortons. I got back and realized that I had no more hours on the schedule. I was completely wiped from the schedule when I had just gotten there for my shift. And two customers who were regulars commented like, Oh, I heard you got fired. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, I didn't even know. Nobody told me that... They had just removed me because they didn't like that I had taken that vacation. And I had told them probably a week before, which, uh, yeah, that was my bad. No excuses. Hey, I'm moving on. I go in and get a job at uh, AutoZone, which is like right across the street from Tim Hortons. <laughs> what was that? But this AutoZone job, I know that I've already talked about on a podcast, so I'm not going to put you through that if you've listened to it. The, the guy who hired me is actually... One of the best bosses I've ever had. Probably still the best boss I've ever had. Shout out to Alex Jones. He was so cool. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, the first the first uh, day on the job, I show up. I didn't tell this story. And um, I'm behind. I'm doing some training on a computer behind a wall that has a bunch of holes in it. Like, it's not really a wall. It's out of, like, metal. And uh, it's a, you know, a divider, but it, it, just a divider. Well, I know that I'm bloated and I have some gas to release. 
but I want to be quiet, discreet about it. I'm doing the training. It's quiet. <laughs> and what comes out of me is and total silence after that with a click, click of my mouse. I, I know, <laughs> I know that they heard it and <laughs> undoubtedly shared a glance <laughs> about it. Like it was so loud. <laughs> what the hell was that? I only had that boss for like four or five weeks and then he brought in a new a new boss who I really didn't like and uh, I tolerated her for six months and then I left. Blocked everybody from... Uh, not everybody. I didn't block everybody. But I blocked the managers just so they couldn't contact me anymore. And I just left. No call, no show. Okay, so um, I'm approaching the end of my lease in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am now also completing a summer at Lincoln Lake summer camp. And that is my internship at Compass. So I get an internship at a summer camp as a videographer contracted for like 12 week, uh, twelve videos. I mean, no, it was mm, 12 weeks. It was May, June, July, part of August, something like that. So I think it might have literally been 12 weeks. At the end of my lease, end of summer camp, those two end, like, within a week of each other, I now get the opportunity to move to Chicago. So I take it. I take the opportunity, I take the job, I take the housing opportunity that's there. And what I understood it to be, at least the housing situation, was I was going to be rooming with a buddy from college and his friend from uh, high school. And it's going to be us three, rent is 1600 between all of us. I get there, and it turns out that my buddy from college got an internship in back, like, where we did college, like, Grand Rapids, three-hour drive away. And so already that's super different, because now it's just me and his buddy. And the job that I got, because I was such a airheaded, it was completely airheaded, because there were 16 different restaurants that I could have gotten a job there at. I'm going to save that for a little bit later. Hold on. Instead, I get a job that's a 20 plus minute drive away. This is not the job that I was offered first to move to Chicago. That was only a gig. Uh, okay, save that for a little bit too. That was a film gig that was filming horse dressage for a weekend. And it was paying uh, really good money for just three days of work. Really good money. Like a, like a grand. I was like, dude, I'm going to move to Chicago with that job first. And then I'm going to get a bunch of film jobs after that doing the same thing. That's what I projected. I do that gig. Can't find anything else. Nothing else. Nobody else is hiring me. I do some training days, but nobody calls me back. I'm running out of money real quick. I get a job at Play and Spin. Play and Spin is a family fun center. I'm not sure if they're still open or not. It was it, it's a family fun center. I ran 
or was uh, part of the team of um, go-karts. Where, I mean, I just drove go-karts kind of all day testing them. We would rotate out who leads, is on the microphone, reading the instructions, taking purses, setting them aside. A lot of people refuse to give up their purses and you just be like, well, can't drive. So you had to be really assertive. I was one of the eldest on the team and I remember not, I remember getting down to not having a cent. Not having a cent. I mean, did I say what it paid me? It paid me eight fifty an hour. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what I was thinking. Because what I ended up doing was I ended up moving back to Michigan. When my home is Salem, Oregon, which is on the complete, you know, other end of... Not other end of the nation, but kind of... I moved back in with a buddy and his family... They're devout Christians, so it's an environment that I'm used to. So I lived with them for about 11 months back in Michigan, and I got my first kitchen job, which is a job I could have gotten in Chicago just months prior. What it was, was kitchen was not on my radar. I was going for film. I I went thinking film, gigs, acting, improv, Chicago, that's why I'm here. I was not thinking kitchen jobs to make ends meet and survive while I do this thing on the side. I just didn't have that strategy at, uh, what was I? I was 22. I was 22 years old. 22-year-old me. So, yeah, get my first kitchen job. The Wind Tavern 33. I walk in. I request the manager because I see uh, a, a, a sign on the door that says help needed. Need help did. And because <laughs> I'm there for lunch one day with my buddy. So I go, oh, why don't I just get a job here? <laughs> Had that thought a little too late. I request the manager. We sit down. I make him laugh a couple times, and I get the job as a dishwasher. He goes, all right, start your Wednesday. So this is a job that asked me to give up all my weekends, pretty much. I was working totally weekends. I do that for two months. Now, this kitchen is full of line cooks who are in their 40s, have probably been in up to three bands at this point, love rock and roll from the 70s, 80s, and whatever, One of them is a dude named Dylan, who was drumming one time with his band, which is actually a big band from Michigan, the original founding drummer, and a speaker from up top fell onto his head, completely broke his neck, and he has lost his ability to drum, or at least really can't, it's painful for him. The dude's like 6'3", really, really sad story. But great guy. I love getting to know getting to know Dylan. He sold me a lot of weed. Now, the Wind Tavern is owned by three middle-aged men who love sports. They love to drink. And they opened up a bar and grill in a small town. One of the owners, two years after they had started the business, and one year after I knew him and got the job, close to like my end of the job, um, just having partied with a bunch of people from the kitchen... As we did often, and he goes, yeah, dude, I mean, 
in two years of having this business, I've I've accumulated 90k in my savings account, and that was 2018 after the summer. So it's been several years since. And he has at least another business, but I think another one on top of that with these same guys. So they're they're doing well. They made me line cook after two months on dish. And line cook is actually a job that it took me being there and doing it again to realize that it is a job I'd already done. I had worked at the fairgrounds for two weeks doing fry. I was the fry guy. So I'm there with the baskets of the hot oil and the chicken and the fries and the tots. So that is actually technically the first job that I had with a W-2 working at the fairgrounds the summer after I had just done the play Oklahoma, which I talked about in the last podcast. So it came naturally. I was, dude, I'm good on fry. I have been on fry on every kitchen job that I've had, so I, I'm i good at fry. I know when to drop, for how long to drop, how much to drop, how much to salt. Dude, I'm a good salter, and I'm a good saucer. I am accurate with my amounting measuring of sauces. I can I can stop talking like that. But I'm I'm really good at fry. I dude, sometimes it would get to looking like it you know, you're gonna have to listen to this if you're listening to it, but if you're watching it then it's a spectacle. But it would be like I was playing basketball. I'd be dropping fry, going into the freezer, spinning around and like opening, dumping in rushes, like putting a sauce bowl. Dumping sauce, plating, <laughs> handing it over. I, it became a dance that I loved. The job that I got at Top Golf was the smoothest and best I have ever been on the line. I, I was good. But me fry on uh, line at the Wing Tavern 33 is like a Padawan to the Jedi that I was at Top Golf. That I do believe. The spinning, the freezers, the sauces, the soups, the drop and fry, the nacho making, the hand and raw chicken and raw beef to the dude, listening to wheel, handed stuff to dish, and knowing when and how to hand it to him because I used to be dish. So hot and sharp stuff, you get it, you know. But I became good enough at the wind to train a whole new crew that came in to wipe out. I saw a crazy turnover from old guys to young guys in the year uh, in the year that I was there I saw them go from five middle-aged cooks to one middle-aged cook me and a bunch of high schoolers well they had just graduated and they were all friends and this was like their first collective job it was it was a bizarre kitchen takeover <laughs> okay so there's a dude, my transition on from Dish onto the line. <laughs> There's like a dude who's 6'2", and he walks up to me. I can tell he's super young, but imposing. <laughs> and he walks up to me, and he goes, uh, I, I, When, if, I, with, yeah. <laughs> I'm washing dishes. In, in my head, I just go, 
did they just hire? Who do I have to train today? <laughs> Shout out to Trey. <laughs> Trey. Trey is somebody that um, became the dishwasher as I became the line cook. And one time, one of the line cooks said, hey, could you go to the basement and get me, like, a bucket and a mop? <laughs> and Trey spent, like, I don't know how many minutes, like, m- several minutes outside, probably 15, circling the whole location, looking for the entrance to the basement. And he was so confused. And there's no basement to the it's just a flat compound there's literally no basement and he was just you know very very gullible like that but that's the last job that i plan on talking about uh before moving on to my next topic which um is somewhat of a divisive topic man i wanted to talk about guns dude uh, for example, there was a shooting here in my hometown a couple nights ago by a 16-year-old who just shot somebody in a conflict. And a 14-year-old next to him pulled a knife. Now, these are not acts that we want performed by our youth here in my hometown. I understand how they can acquire a knife, but as far as a firearm, that one is difficult And it was just right downtown. Uh, Several shootings in my hometown. There was a shooting in in which a bullet went into a room that a baby was sleeping. That happened right after the shooting downtown. My neighbor, who shot the bullet through my apartment, really close to me. What came to mind is that I feel straight off the, the bat, right off the bat, that the age should definitely be 21 Uh, nationwide. Why is it not? I might ask. Also, a question that was raised in my mind is why, what, where, and how? (laughs) Why are there only training classes and courses for a carry license and not for any other ownership of a gun? Home defense, hunting, what else would you use it for? Carry, hunting, or home defense. For us civilians, are those not the three options? Three and only options? Because I think legally that's kind of it. So 21. And how about some training courses for everybody? Whether it's carry, hunting, or home defense. Everybody should be able to... Prove that they are trained and able to own and purchase a legal firearm. I don't feel that that is unreasonable to ask. Two-week courses. If you're going to buy a shoddy, you got to spend two weeks with it with an expert official right there by your side. Watching you for a solid, you know, two weeks business days. Carry hunting, same thing. Even... Better combine said program, training program, and hand it over to veterans. Make use of the veterans. I I personally say I say put them to good use and work and protection. Dude, it is protection from the vets. 
if you used veterans, 50s, I mean, 50s to 70s, whatever, fine, even even go 40s, 30s, K, are, are they not the experts? Because a police officer can go his whole career without discharging his firearm. I am very passionate about that. I feel a fire about it, and I want I want to see it happen. Dude, I have such love for veterans of this country. Now, I'm going to say that there's two that I've come into close proximity with through my film school. You got Jeff and you got Josh. Now, my introductions to both of them were rough. I did not like them up front. I remember this. And this has happened with a couple other vets at different times. But that feeling that I have had initially when meeting specifically Jeff and Josh. Jeff at the beginning of film school and Josh at the end of film school. Two different veterans who were retired and probably 10 years apart, but very similar Josh could have played Jeff in a movie where uh, you have a young soldier and his older self. (laughs) Because when I met both of them, I didn't like them, as I mentioned. But I didn't know that they were vets. Then when I found out that they were vets, my heart did a total 180 to them. And I felt urged to go out of my way to talk to them, to relate to them, to make them laugh. I remember every single time that I made Jeff or Josh laugh every single time. And at least Jeff, since I met him in 2014, I have approached him, shaken his hand either in person or have texted him on Veterans Day specifically to thank him. I think Jeff is... One of the best dudes I've ever met. And I only knew Josh for a summer that I was at the camp. Um, in their own right, both both had equal impact on me. And um, are firm Christians, uh, much firmer than, than I. You know, I think the... Uh, what? think uh, getting to know at least two veterans uh, personally has felt like all I can handle right there. I think it would be an honor to get to know more. Are they not the ones to have experienced the most extreme things out of all of us? And I feel... I have always felt a lot uh, for them, so. But uh, I think I'm going to end the podcast there and give you guys a part two next Monday. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share some of your own job stories with me in the comments. Maybe not the ones you have now, but uh, I have plenty more stories and jobs to talk about, so. Stay tuned. Bye.